G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. Today, Pastor Greg Laurie takes us to that epic moment when Jesus hung from the cross, giving his life for our sin. Suddenly, without explanation, the sky turns dark. And the darkness is pierced by the voice of Jesus as he cries out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is interpreted, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, Jesus was forsaken so you can be forgiven. Jesus entered the darkness so you can walk in the light. This is the day when the lost are found. Jesus hung from the cross at Calvary in excruciating pain. It took great effort to speak even a single word. It took great effort even to breathe. And yet he uttered seven final statements, each word carefully chosen, each thought embedded with deep insight. On A New Beginning Today, Pastor Greg Laurie helps us to examine those final words and we'll see that they have tremendous meaning for us in how we live our lives today. It's a message called The God Who Suffers. Jesus have to suffer and die? Couldn't he have just expired in a simple way? Did he have to be scourged and beaten and have the beard pulled from his face? Did he have to be insulted and mocked and ridiculed and humiliated? Why did he have to die such a cruel death? Listen to this, because there was no other way to satisfy the righteous demands of God. For all the evil in the crucifixion, it brought about an infinite good In fact, the most evil act ever perpetrated by sinful hearts, that is the sinless Son of God, tortured and slaughtered and murdered, brought about the greatest good of all time. It brought about your salvation and it brought about mine. So we can say, thank you, Lord, for the cross. That brings us to John 19. We read in verse 17 that Jesus bearing his cross went to a place called the place of a skull, which is called in Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him, two others with him, one on each side, Jesus in the center. And they're hanging on the cross with his back ripped open, in excruciating pain, tongue swollen. Jesus lifts himself up on the cross and gives seven statements. Number one, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Number two, in response to the thief who turned to him and said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, today you'll be with me in paradise. Looking down at the foot of the cross and seeing his mother, Mary, he said to her, woman, behold your son. And then gesturing to John, he said, son, behold your mother. Then presumably he bore the sins of the world, giving the fourth statement of the cross, 
My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Number five, I thirst. Number six, it is finished. And the seventh and last statement of the cross to the Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Now an ominous moment takes place as Christ hangs on the cross. It's here that the tragedy of the crucifixion reaches its horrific climax. It's been described as the crucifixion in the crucifixion. Suddenly, without explanation, the sky turns dark. From the sixth hour, that would be 12 noon to three o'clock. So think of this, it's like lunchtime, and the sun's out, and suddenly the sky goes pitch black, and it lasted for three hours. And by the way, the word that is used there uh, for land, the land was covered in darkness, is also the same root word for earth, causing many to believe this may have been a universal darkness, a global darkness. Lights off, why Jesus now is suffering in our place and bearing the sin of the world. And the darkness is pierced by the voice of Jesus as he cries out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is interpreted, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? No fiction writer would ever have their hero say such words. They disarm us, they surprise us, or we're not really sure what they mean, but I think what they mean, and I can only offer my opinion here, as I think he was bearing the sins of the world and he was experiencing an isolation and a loneliness like no human being has ever experienced. You see, first Judas betrayed him. And by the way, Judas was a friend. And to show that Jesus had an actual love for him in the Garden of Gethsemane when Judas is leading the temple guard to arrest Jesus, Christ says to Judas, friend, why have you come? It would have been more appropriate if Jesus said, fiend, why have you come? Are you dirty dog? I'm gonna strangle you. How dare you do this to me after all I did for you? Friend, Jesus says, why have you come? He loved Judas. It broke his heart. Then Simon Peter, really the ringleader of the disciples, goes out and denies Christ three times, just as Jesus said he would. But even though all of his boys had let him down, he still had the Father with him. The Father was there, but listen to this. Jesus said, the Father has not left me alone. Then he said in John 16, 32, you will be scattered, you will leave me alone, but I'm not alone because the Father is with me. But now listen, for a moment, even God the Father has to turn his back on Jesus. This is why we call it the crucifixion in the crucifixion. This is why for Jesus, this was a fate worse than death. You see, the Father turned away as he poured the sin of the world upon his Son. And that is why Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, Jesus was forsaken so you can be forgiven. Jesus entered the darkness so you can walk in the light. Jesus bore that in your place. He died in your place. He was your substitute to him was imputed the guilt of our sins and he was suffering the punishment for all of our sins. The very essence of that punishment was the outpouring of God's wrath against sinners. Well, thank you for joining us. You're listening to A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie. He's the Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California, USA. And he's continuing his message today called The God Who Suffers. Now the fifth word from the cross 
The first of a personal nature, John 19, verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine and put it on a hyssop, and put it up to his mouth. So the worst of his battle is now behind him. He's focused on the needs of others. First person he thinks of is this criminal. And he pardons him. Says, today you'll be with me in paradise. Then he thinks about his own mother who now is losing her firstborn son. And he's entrusting the care of Mary to John the Apostle. Woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. Then he bears the sins of all the world. And now he thinks of himself. And he says, I thirst. <laughs> this was not a casual thirst. This was a burning and severe thirst. There had been a lot of blood lost here. And uh, scientists say that thirst is the most agonizing of all pain. Every cell in the body cries out for relief and it only gets worse with time. But this shows his humanity. Now he asks for water. But who does he ask for water from? Well, really his enemies. It would have been nice if his disciples were there helping him. But no one was around that Jesus knew really to help him. So he just said, I thirst. And some random person gives him water. We don't know anything about this guy. <laughs> but wow, what an opportunity he had. Remember Jesus said, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me drink. And they said, well, when were you hungry? And when were you thirsty? And he said, when you did it to the least of my brothers and sisters, you were doing it for me. But this guy literally was able to reach out and help Jesus even for a moment. Now for the sixth statement from the cross. He says, it is finished. Now, by the way, this is a triumphal shout. At the age of 33, most people are saying it is beginning. But at age 33, Jesus is saying it is finished. But notice he doesn't say, I am finished. This was not the shout of a victim overwhelmed by his circumstances. This is a shout of a victor overcoming his enemies. And by the way, this phrase, it is finished, comes from one Greek word. It's tetelestai. Tetelestai. And it can be translated, it is accomplished, it's done. He's saying, in effect, the war is over. A new covenant and relationship with God is now available. And I bet that statement reverberated both of the hallways of heaven and the corridors of hell. Oh, in the hallways of heaven, it was a victory shout. But through the corridors of hell, man, it was bad news. Because the planet backfired. And instead of stopping the ministry of Jesus, the devil helped to fulfill the ministry of Jesus. And of course, Christ was going to rise again in just days. I want you to notice also that he gives this final statement now from the cross, number seven, and says to the Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. This clearly shows Jesus was in control. You know, death by crucifixion was effectively death by suffocation. You weren't killed by having nails put through your hands and feet as awful as it was. You really died because you couldn't breathe. And the crucified person would have a little footstep at the base of the cross that they would put their weight upon and lift their body up and get a gulp of air into their lungs. It was very difficult to breathe, much less to speak. And that is why when they wanted the prisoners dead, they would go with a big sledgehammer and break their legs. 
because then they could no longer support their weight. And so as they're breaking the legs of the prisoners to bring this to an end, they come to Jesus and he's already gone. So they didn't break his legs, did they? But then to make sure he was dead, a soldier thrusts a spear into the side of Christ and out of it comes blood and water which would indicate that there's been a complete uh, breakdown of the heart and so forth. And so Jesus was dead. But no one took his life. He said, okay, I'm done. I'm out of here. It's done. In your hands I commit my spirit. And he leaves. He was in control the whole time. He could have got out of that. Can you imagine? I mean, you're hanging on the cross. He could have said, you know, I don't want to do this. I don't want to die. And most of all, I don't want to bear the judgment of the Father that these people ought to bear. But he did it. Why did he do it? The Bible says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and now is set down on the right hand of God. Something kept him going. What was it? Well, it was you. It was me. It was us. It was all people who would believe in him. I remember when I was in high school, I ran track and field, and you'd have to practice. And I hated to practice. But I remember if there was ever any pretty girls watching, I ran faster. You know, hey, better run fast. Impress her. Well, Jesus wasn't doing this for a pretty girl. He's doing it for ugly sinners, us, living in rebellion against him. But that's what motivated him. He did it because there was no other way we would ever be brought into a relationship with the Father. So he goes through with it. I want you to notice that three times on the cross, Jesus addressed the Father. His first words were, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. His fourth words were, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And his last words were, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus addressed the Father at the beginning, the middle, and end of the crucifixion. You know, one day we're going to breathe our last breath. We're going to have our last meal, our last moment on earth, and then we will be in eternity. And I hope we'll be calling on our Father then. Often in our youth we think of God, but then sometimes we stray and throw away years of our life. But what a joy it is to know the Lord in the beginning, in the middle, in the end of your life. You'll never regret that. You'll never regret it. You know, I became a Christian when I was a pretty young guy, 17, but I wish I'd even had done it sooner. I wasted some years, made some bad decisions, but I'm glad I did it when I did. I've never looked back and said, oh man, I, oh, Wish they did it when I was like 30 so I could, you know, have some more fun. I've never looked back and thought of my life that way. I'm just thankful I did it when I did it. Wished I'd done it sooner. Oh, but I know people who say, man, I, I threw away a decade. I threw away 20 years. I, I threw away so much time. It, how great it is to serve the Lord when you're young and then serve the Lord in middle age and serve the Lord in your later years. Serve the Lord from the beginning, the middle, and the end. And then we go into God's presence. I want to just close with an invitation because there's some folks here that have joined us who may not have this relationship with Jesus Christ yet. He died on the cross for your sin because every one of us have sinned and every one of us have broken God's commandments and every one of us need help. But that's why Jesus died. There for us, Jesus said, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son and whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He did it because he loved the world, but you could take out the word world and put your name in its place. For God so loved you. For God so loved Josh. For God so loved Mary. For God so loved 
John, for God so loved Tiffany, for God so loved Mortimer. There's someone named Mortimer. <laughs> Even you, Mortimer. He did it for you. He did it for all of us. Maybe you're suffering right now. Maybe you're in pain right now. Maybe you're saying, man, no one knows what I'm going through. God knows. He knows all about it. And you know what? God cares. He's the God who suffers. And he'll enter into your suffering and help you through it so you don't have to be alone. Yeah, Jesus had to have even the Father turn away from him for a time to satisfy God's righteous demands. But listen to this. Because of that, I will never be forsaken of God. Ever. Ever. Jesus said, I will never, ever, ever leave you or forsake you. Because he was forsaken, I never will be if I put my faith in him. So if you've not asked Jesus to forgive you of your sin, if you're not sure right now that you'll go to heaven when you die, if you want to begin this new relationship with him, call out to him. Let's all pray together. Father, thank you for loving us so much that you sent Jesus. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming and dying and suffering and paying for our sin and then rising again from the dead. Now we pray for those who have joined us who may not yet know you. Lord, help them to see their need for you. Help them to come to you, we would ask now. Amen. That's Pastor Greg Laurie with an important prayer. And if you'd like to make a change in your relationship with God, today is a great day. And Pastor Greg would love to help you to do that right now. As you've been listening to this today, maybe you've heard another voice. By that I mean, yeah, you heard me say a few things, but you heard God's voice speak to you deep in the recesses of your heart. And it suddenly dawned on you, this is what I need. Or to state it more accurately, this is who I need. I need Jesus, and I want Jesus, but maybe you don't know how to make that connection. Let me help you. Pray this after me right now if you want Jesus Christ to come into your life. Lord Jesus, I know I am a sinner, and I am sorry for my sin, and I need your forgiveness right now. Would you come into my heart and my life as Savior, as God, as friend, I choose to follow you from this moment forward. Thank you for calling me and accepting me and forgiving me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I know that was a relatively short prayer. Maybe you felt something as you prayed it. Maybe you felt nothing. That doesn't really matter because God's word says, these things we write to you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. It doesn't say, so you may think you have it or you may hope you have it if God's in a good mood. No, that you can know it. And I want you to know, if you pray that prayer in a minute, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has come into your life. So congratulations. You're now a Christian. Now continue to follow the Lord. Thanks, Pastor Greg. And if you prayed that prayer today, we'd love to help you by sending you something called our New Believers Growth Packet. It's a great way to get started living as a Christian. We'll send it to you free of any charge or obligation. It'll help answer some of the questions you might have and help you build a solid foundation for your faith. Just ask for the New Believers Growth Packet when you contact us on one 800 50 
11. Well, tomorrow, Pastor Greg brings some more insight on living a worry-free life as we approach the new year. It's actually part of a series of our most requested messages of the past 12 months. Hope you can join us tomorrow, same time, for more on A New Beginning. copy of Pastor Greg's full message from today, get in touch with Vision Christian Store. It was called The God Who Suffers. Just go to visionstore.org.au or call 1-800-00-5011. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.